Welcome back, everybody. It's the Betting Pros College Football Preview Show. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter, at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Thor Nystrom, at ThorKU, on the Twitter machine, and Mike Farrell, at Sports. two R's, two L's. And uh, look, we got 10 games to go through, boys. But I want to know, first off, uh, because, Farrell, I was with you, um, and... You know, we had the argument on this show last week about Colorado versus TCU. I was taking TCU, laying the points. Uh, Farrell, you may you may or may not have uh, called Thor an idiot. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, I've no, done I it did. before. Uh, but, uh, I mean, is this, like, I, and also I thought Texas State beating Baylor was almost just as big as this. Obviously, it wasn't nationally Crazy. televised and no Dion. But one of the biggest upsets in week one history, there were articles about how the books were uh, losing money. So just your quick thoughts, Farrell, on uh, Colorado and uh, the, the buffs moving forward. And we'll dive into that first game uh, after we get your thoughts and Thor's thoughts. Yeah, really surprising. I mean, I had an overall pretty good week, but that one I just didn't see coming. So I watched the game. You know, I didn't expect... The offense to to move the ball as they did, and then I expected them to just sort of fall off, um, and they never fell off. And so then I was like, okay, they're going to lose this game, but they're going to cover the moral victory, and then they won the game outright. Um, so I'm not really sure if TCU sucks. I think they do. <laughs> I think their yeah. defense is really really bad, which surprised me because they you know they they look they don't have a lot of returning starters, but they've got some talent back there, um, and I don't know why they didn't run the football. So it doesn't matter. Colorado won. He did a great job. Um, that was the, you know, I even said bet your mortgage on the money line. And Thor's like, don't do that. And I was just <laughs> kidding because you, you, had, you had to bet like a thousand bucks to make 18. Right. But still, I was just stunned. Yeah, Thor, I mean, I was with Farrell. Like the first couple drives, I'm sitting there going, all right, you know, uh, this is probably scripted drives. These are the drives that they've been practicing all off season. So sure, give them a couple points. But the onslaught did not stop the entire game. It was there. And, uh, I mean, they look great, but I mean, it, like Farrell said, Thor, are you more on the Colorado is very good or maybe TCU is just sliding back to a regular middle of the pack 12 or middle of the big 12 team and, uh, Colorado is better, but maybe not as good as we're making them out to be right now. I think it's both. Uh, Colorado's for real. I, I think Colorado's for real. We were talking about this before the show. My updated win projection on Colorado after I reran my numbers, I think it would stun people out there. 7.7. I like I couldn't believe it when it came back. But I and and I have them 40th in my power rankings now, which I think is fairly uh you know, the it's reasonable, right? Like it, I'm not top 25 on them like the AP poll is whatever. But I think they're for real. I you know, I thought since December, I, I put out a tweet about this, if anyone wants to back check me, that their offense was going to be sick from day one. Shadir Sanders, high four-star recruit, he ripped up the FCS. We had proof of concept of it. I mean, most yards in Colorado history passing uh, in a single yeah. game. and the in most his of his life, game. apparently. Yeah, according to, According to his post-game interview. But you had that, yet the receiving core is going to be good. They, they have a deep running back stable, whatever. The the defense is what we were wondering about, and it doesn't look like defense is going to be like great but they're going to be viable in most of the games they play in because they'll be able to get into the shootouts. And it's difficult for me to envision some of these upcoming opponents they have being able to keep up with them on the scoreboard. And this will probably be a, a natural leeway into our Colorado-Nebraska right. discussion, but they're going to put up points on everybody. 
Yeah, so let's start there. Uh, and that's the first game that we have. Uh, early game, number 22, Colorado hosting Nebraska. The line, Farrell, is Colorado by two and a half. The total is 58 and a half. I mean, if there's a game that ever felt like a more trappier game, I don't know what it would be. Uh, but is the public making too big a deal of uh, Colorado here? Because 80% of tickets and 89% of cash are on Colorado right now. Yeah, it's a big reversal. I mean, I think it's a 10-point swing or a 9.5-point swing, you know, from the original line. Uh, I think it's an overreaction. You know, it's hard for me to say, you know, bet against Colorado after what I saw on the road at TCU. Sure, but sure. I think it's an overcorrection. Um, you know, I, I'm uh, hard. Because Nebraska didn't look good, and they choked down the stretches. They always do. And it's not like Minnesota was a good football team or, or very effective in that game. Um, I'm going to say Colorado. I think it's an overcorrection, but based on what I saw at, in the two games, I think you know, seeing Colorado play TCU and seeing Nebraska blow that game to Minnesota, I think Colorado would win that football game. So I'm going to say, you know, lay the points um, and, and hope Colorado wins by a field goal to seven points. Yeah, Thor, I mean, in this game, sure, we can trust the numbers, but it's hard to ignore what you saw with your eyes, right? And Colorado looked like a real, legit team, specifically on offense. We know Nebraska's, you know, Matt Rule, more defensive team, black shirts, all that stuff. Uh, And they looked pretty good against Minnesota's offense in the game that you were at uh, where Minnesota came back. So this is more of a, I mean, you know, obviously the ultimate test here is Colorado's offense versus Nebraska's defense. How do you see this game playing out? I... You know, I I guess Farrell and I, are, it's going to be only a semi-disagreement this time. I'm certainly on the Colorado side. The only thing I would disagree about is I actually don't think this line has gone far enough. Is it a correction from the incorrect assumptions that people had about Colorado coming into this season? Yeah, it's a big adjustment. But the market, I don't think, still is caught up to how good this team is and how good it's going to be. My line on this game is Colorado minus 5.1 points. Uh, I I know that there are sharps out there that they're not going to believe. They didn't believe in the preseason, whatever. They're going to, you know, under the same auspices of the idea of like, oh, you know, last week we would have had this at, I had nine and a half Colorado plus nine and a half tickets from game day on on one of the books that made a mistake out there. Didn't yank that back. But like, you know, we had this power rated this way, you know, last week we want to be conservative in our adjustments, whatever. You can't do that no more. And this is me talking to the, the the sharps out there. We are in a new era of college football, and you can notice with the teams immediately that had the big turnover how good they are, or getting getting an idea of it. You have to give up your your the notions you had coming into the season when you see stuff like that. This team is legit, and like I said, I adjusted it to, to five point one. To your point about the Nebraska Minnesota game, I was in the building for that. I do think uh, Nebraska. You were mentioning this. I do think they have a decent defense. They're going to be solid on defense, rule as a defensive coach, et cetera. The problem is their offense stinks, and that might not be going far enough. Jeff Sims has never been able to throw. Three-year starter at Georgia Tech, he stunk as a passer every single year, and he is who we thought he was. Uh, 11 for 19, 114 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions against Minnesota. Nebraska doesn't trust him to throw the ball, and that's the first correct opinion they've had on Jeff Sims. So they they give, you know, like he can run, right? But like, you know, Gabe Irvin is just sort of a, a man kind of a back. 
I don't love their their backfield uh, talent. And let me let me name off the Nebraska receivers, and and you guys tell me if you've ever heard of any of these guys: <laughs> Alec Bullock, Marcus Washington, Heinrich Harburg, Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda. Like they don't have any wide receivers either. Even if Jeff Jeff Sims was decent, which he most certainly is not, it's a one handed offense of just Jeff Sims scrambling around essentially and in this Colorado team, like I said before, is going to put up points on everyone. Nebraska is not going to have the firepower to shoot back in this one. Yeah. They're missing Trey Palmer a lot uh, right now. And and yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's just the way the eye test, which is why I called it a trap game, but the eye test tells you right now it's hard to pick against Colorado. So let's move on. Let's go to NC state versus number 10, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a seven and a half point road favorite. That's going to be a theme for the games we talk about today. Seven road uh, teams are favorited out of the 10 games that we will talk about. 51 is the total here. Farrell, um, uh, Notre Dame has looked dominant. Brennan Armstrong was a little shaky. The public is on Notre Dame just slightly, though. The biggest uh, number here is uh, on in terms of cash is on the under here. Do you have a good feel either way on NC State Notre Dame? We're gonna go. Um, we're gonna go Notre Dame. I mean, seven and a half is a line you don't like. Um, you know, getting that touchdown and a hook, but you know they've looked very impressive. It, it's been you know bad opponents, but it's been a seamless transition offensively. NC State's going to provide a little bit more of a challenge, of course. You know, defensively, they're pretty solid. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, you know, we'll see. He's got his old offense coordinator. Um, I, I don't know how they'll match up against the Notre Dame defense, but I'm going to take Notre Dame here. Uh, I just think, you know, they're playing with a lot of confidence. They, they needed to win those two games. They needed to win those two games big. You know, last year, if you remember, they got off to such a bad start. Um, and, and I think they lost a little confidence in perhaps, you know, some people were wondering, is this, you know, is Marcus Freeman over his head? I, I don't think he is. Um, this isn't the game that's going to trip them up. The question is, are they going to win by seven, you know, points or more? But I think they will. I think they're going to win this one by 10 points. Uh, Thor, I see you nodding your head. You agree with Farrell here on this game? I do. Yeah. I, Notre Dame, a team that I was a little bit higher on than the market heading into the year. And they've even moved up in my eyes uh, since then. The, the the Navy thing, I, you know, and it's Navy, yada, yada. But Navy had a six and a half win total. No, They couldn't do anything on Notre Dame. Notre Dame didn't just tie one hand behind their back. They tied both hands behind their back offensively. Navy couldn't do a thing. Uh, Notre Dame's defense, super salty. We knew it would be heading into the season. But what's been super impressive is you bring in Sam Hartman, that, and the receiving core is better now. You got guys healthy that were injured last year. You got Chris Tyree playing in the slot now. Those things in conjunction has shot that offense up. This is another one where I think the market hasn't quite caught up to where Notre Dame actually is. And I think the the market, if I may, might be a little bit too high on this North Carolina State team. I wanted to believe, too, uh, not to sound like uh, Mulder and Scully, <laughs> but uh, – you know, you had Brennan Armstrong coming in, reunited with Robert and I. They were really good two years ago with Virginia, went their separate ways for a year. Now they've reunited and everything like that. Uh, Armstrong could be okay as we go. He rushed for 96 yards la- last week against UConn. The passing, though, was not there. That's what Robert and I's entire system is based on, that quick hitting passing. Armstrong, his path as a thrower, he fell off a shelf last year at Virginia. You were hoping that with a nine, ba- him reunited with a nine, that would jump back up, but at least in week one against UConn, it most certainly was in 17 for yeah. 26, 155 yards, zero touchdowns. Now you're going up against one of the better defenses in the entire country. 
I don't see how that North Carolina State team is going to be able to go shot for shot with this Notre Dame team. And I think uh, Notre Dame's defense is going to make life very, very hard. I'm Mr. Armstrong. All right. Before we go to the next game, I got to say, hey, college football fans, are you ready to put your betting skills to the test? Join the Betting Pros College Football Podcast betting group. Make your picks all season long. And if you're among the top ROI performers, you could win big. Prizes include a signed Garrett Wilson Ohio State jersey and premium subscriptions to Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. Just make at least 100 picks throughout the season to qualify. Jump in now at bettingpros.com slash college or in the Betting Pros app under the College Football Podcast group. May the best better win all right let's go on down to the next game with another road favorite baylor who lost to texas state last week is going is hosting number 12 utah the line right now is utah by seven and a half the total is 47 and a half is this another classic letdown spot Farrell? uh no update on cam rising blake shapin is out two to three weeks uh but it seems like maybe baylor can't look as bad as they did last week but it's looking better, good enough to compete with Utah because I feel like it's not. It's not. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> it was a bad loss for Baylor against a team that's, I don't think, very good. Um, you know, and, and now they're playing a team that's very good. And, you know, I, I said going into the Florida game, I didn't care whether Cam Rising played in that particular game because I just knew they were a better football team. The quarterbacks looked better than I expected, um, and, and they gave Florida a lot of trouble. Um, so I'm, again, I'm not worried about Cam Rising playing in this particular game. Uh, I'm laying the points. I'm taking Utah. You know, I'm not going to pick this team to win or cover every game all season long. I'm big on them, bigger than most people are. I think they have a potential to go to the playoff, you know, depending on how things go. You know, with USC, Oregon, and Washington, it's going to be tough. But I think this is a team on a mission, and they're, they're shouldn't have a ton of trouble. I know it's on the road, but. They're just a better football team than Baylor. Baylor's going to play better, but they're still going to lose by 10. Yeah, I mean, uh, Thor, it, it, this I call it a trap because this line doesn't look like it's big enough. I'm with Farrell. I think they're going to lose. Uh, Baylor's going to lose at home by double digits. Uh, is Does this feel trappy at all, or are you just we're all rolling on Utah? I'm rolling on Utah, uh, but with where the line is, a lot of the value has been zapped out. Uh, this is a um, a data point for betting early in the week if you're able to, um, if, if you got a side that you like, whatnot. I put this out on Sunday. Uh, Utah was minus five then, so that, that, that's where I got it. Now where it jumps up to seven and a half, you're getting pretty close to the margins there. That's where I get a little bit more trepidatious. My line on it, though, is uh, Utah minus 9.8. But like the difference between 7.5 and 9.8, you're not really going over a, a key threshold number. So like I said, it, it's it's been zapped a little bit, but I definitely like Utah in this thing. And to give Farrell some credit, Farrell, you know, this isn't natural for me, but we've, we've given you a hard time <laughs> about Colorado. Farrell was spot on on Utah. The, all summer he was spot on in Utah. And last week's game, he was spot on in Utah. I was, you know, for me, my take in that game was like, if Rising and Keithy don't play, like, I don't like the Florida team, but like that would make that scares me away from that game. Farrell was bullish. It does not matter if those guys play. Utah is going to throttle Florida. That is exactly what happened. Speaking of tying a team two two hands behind their back, like Florida looked awful in that game. And that's what Utah is going to do to people this year. The defense is super duper good. The offensive line is super duper good. And they're another one of those teams that has the deep stable of running backs that do different things. They can mix and match and whatnot. Rising didn't play in the last game. I would put them doubtful for this one. 
Keithy might not play either. We'll have to see on him. I think he's a little bit ahead of rising in in terms of his uh, prognosis. But even if they don't have those guys, the you know they, they have a, a platoon a quarterback too with with the one backup who played in a bowl game before. He had a little bit of experience. He looked pretty good against Florida. And then the the um, Johnson guy who scrambles around. He was showing me some he stuff. Was fast. I was like, oh, this is, he, yeah, he very athletic. That that kid. Baylor, I'm concerned about Baylor. And it's not because Shapen is injured. I would actually suggest to people, I don't want to, I'm not going to say a kid's injury is good for, uh, uh, you know, whatever, but it, Baylor might run into one here with Sawyer Robertson. I think there's a shot that he's better than Shapen. Like they want to go with, they want to go with him out of the gate. He was the incumbent, whatever. Sawyer Robertson, a kid that came from Lubbock, Texas, he grew up idolizing Mike Leach. He ran the Mike Leach air raid system. In that city. Then he followed, uh, you know, when he graduated, he goes to Mississippi State to play for Leach. If, you know, if if Leach hadn't unfortunately passed away, I think Robertson would have stayed there, eventually taken over. But be, because that happened, because Mississippi State changed their system to go to the, the old Appalachian State system, that, that's the offensive coordinator they did, wasn't really a fit for Robertson's game. He goes to Baylor. He gets beat out by Shapen, beat out. I'm not sure that I trust the offensive evaluation of Baylor staff, <laughs> yeah. though. Um, and so I think they might they might find something here with Robertson, but just in terms of qualitatively, didn't love what I saw of the rest of the team last week. I, I would lean Utah in this game, but like I said, you're you're really close to the margins with that line over uh, seven. Maybe try to wait and see if if anyone buys back in the market, see if that thing can come come back down to seven if you want to invest in Utah. All right, let's go over to the next game here, Farrell. Iowa State versus Iowa. Iowa, another road favorite by four. 36 and a half is the total here. Most of the money is on the under because four years in a row, this uh, or four times in a row, this game has gone on the under, and the average total has been right around 28. Feels like 40 in a row. It really does. I mean, this <laughs> feels like a Thursday night football game between the Ravens and Steelers every single year. Uh, sure. So, uh, Farrell. I mean, do the new look offenses make you want to go on the over here? Or is this just going to be another ugly running game slugfest like it usually yeah, is? Yeah, don't even touch the side. Take the under. I mean, it's it's just I remember talking about this game last year, and it was was it Thor? Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it the lowest point total? Like, yeah, that it was, was like that was Minnesota. Oh, okay, Iowa. I was oh, going right, to right, that's that's right, um, see history. I'm getting my Iowa games mixed up. The, the, the Sidock one was very <laughs> yeah. low, but not the record. The, I think the second lowest, by the way, was Iowa against Kentucky, the bowl game. It's like one, two in NCAA history. Uh, good old Brian <laughs> I mean, Ferentz. You know, yeah. they didn't look good, Iowa. The new look offense doesn't scare anybody. I don't care if Brian Ferentz is getting, you know, extra compensation for scoring points. He simply can't. Um, you know, McNamara is who he is. He's a game manager. He's a guy that, you know, you, you you want to get a lead and you want him to not to make mistakes. That's what he was at Michigan. That's what he is at Iowa. Um, it's going to be a, a, you know, a win by paper cut, you know, run the football. Uh, you're going to see this game at, you know, I don't know, 10 to 3, 6 to 3 at halftime, and you're going to be pretty happy that you took the under. So take the under here. You know, looking at the Minnesota-Nebraska game, that was one of the calls that I had was take the under there. I mean, there's just there's certain teams, and I think it's every team in the Big Ten West, where the under is just a good bet. And this is, you know, a Big 12, Big Ten matchup. But this is two teams that cannot score a football in the end zone. They, they don't want to play any aggression whatsoever. You know, they'll take 
three in a punt and field position you, uh, and they actually enjoy that. So it's going to be a horrible game to watch, and it's going to come under. <laughs> Thor, any disagreement there? Um, only about it being a horrible no, game to watch, on. as you guys know. I went to grad school at Iowa. Even the ugliest yeah. Iowa games, Iowa. I, I'm all in. Come on. But yeah, the the and of course I was watching the Iowa Utah State game. Great game was was uh, initially I was super excited. It's like you know, Ferens had the Brian Ferens has you know you mentioned you have to average 25 points per game whatnot. Iowa came out their first two drives and scored touchdowns and it was like, oh my gosh, they're we're throwing for touchdowns and like, you know, wow, you know, the Brian Ferentz offense, like now he's incentivized, like they're going to score points. The rest of the game, they scored 10 more in the <laughs> next th- three and a half quarters. They just reverted to being Iowa again. Utah State is one of the worst teams in the FBS. It's actually sad that Brian Ferentz did not get above the 25 points per game he needs to average to keep his job in this game against Utah State. They only scored 24. And Utah State got within 10. Uh, that concerns me a bit. McNamara was banged up in the preseason. So much showed that all the way up until kick, we weren't sure if he was going to play what not. He did play. He played okay, um, but mostly on those first two drives. And then was he finished 17 for 30, 191, and the aforementioned two touchdowns. What concerned me more about the offense was the running game. Caleb Johnson was, I mean, he was pretty good last year for, for a young kid. He comes back. They have five returning starters on the offensive line. An offensive line that wasn't great last year, but it's like now they have continuity. Ferentz always, well, prior to last year, has good offensive lines. Those guys are obviously all going to take a jump up. And it's like they weren't pushing around Utah State and bullying them at the line of scrimmage like you would have wanted them to. I, I hate – I. Mike, I hate that we're agreeing on everything. <laughs> I totally agree with this take. I, I would not touch this game. My, my line actually is under what the, the Vegas – so Vegas, you know, is four. My line on this game is Hawkeyes minus three. I and, and, again, this is coming from a Hawkeye homer. Do not touch this thing over three points. The Cyhawk game, it's, it's always one of those uh, cliche toss the records out. Like, no matter which team is good and the other one is bad in any given season – they will play to each other. And, it, you know, it's, it's just like a fist fight the entire game. My my system's adjusted total on this game is in the 20s. Um, I, I think that's probably right. Matt Campbell certainly needs to rock fight with his quarterback and his running back, uh, you know, gone before the season because of the gambling stuff. This is going to be another, another defensive one. And uh, Brian Ferentz is going to have some work to do the next 10 games to get over that 25 points per game. All right, let's go over to Miami versus number 23, Texas A&M. Another road favorite here for the Aggies by four and a half. 51 and a half is a total. Farrell, do we trust the Aggies enough to take them as road favorites against Miami? And do we trust these offenses enough to any come, come anywhere close to this total? This is a tough one. Um, you know, obviously, you didn't really get a good feel for either team. Uh, Miami dominated their, you know, um, the Miami up north, then, you know, Texas A&M wasn't challenged. So you really don't know what you're getting. Usually heading into week one, you don't know what you're getting. And now we're heading into week two. We don't know what we're getting with these two teams. You know, it's it's going to be under. That's my, I don't like the side on this one. I'm not really sure what I'm going to see, but I, I don't trust either of these offenses to put up, you know, that many points. It seems inflated to me. Um, you know, based on what I'm seeing offensively you know, of Miami last year, this year, you know, Van Dyke isn't the same player that he used to be. They don't have a ton of weapons. Um, 
I, I just don't think Miami is going to put up a, a lot of points. The only way the over goes here is if Texas and m actually puts up 35 or 40. I don't see that happening either. So take the under on this one, but I wouldn't touch the side. Thor, you, you want to take the under as well? Do you like uh, either one of these teams here? I actually like a side, and I already have uh, a ticket in pocket on one mm. of these sides. I like Miami in this game. Um, and, and and this is coming from someone that, that was bullish on A&M coming into the year. I, I still more or less am. I just think this line is too high. Uh, I got five and a half on Sunday or whatever, uh, and now it's down to, you said four and a half, right? My, my line on it is A&M minus three. I, I, you know, you bake in the three-point uh, advantage for home field. I, there, I guess what Vegas and the market is telling you is A&M is six points better than Miami of Florida in a vacuum. I, I don't know what data we have to support that. A&M certainly is better this year uh, for reasons we went into over the summer. You know, they had a super young roster last year that also had a rash of injuries now that that roster is a year older, they don't have the injuries at least yet. And they they corrected the coordinator stuff. Right? Jimbo finally decided to give up the play calling sheet. It was a good decision by Jimbo. He brought in Bobby Petrino, maybe not the best human, but certainly a good play caller. And th- their issues with run defense last year is because they were playing a whole bunch of freshmen on the line. Now those guys are older. I, so, I, again, like I'm not disrespecting a number. It's not because of that. I just think Miami has also improved in kind. And and this this thing should be closer. Like, like I said, I'd have AM minus three. This thing at, at four and a half, I, I would still buy Miami there. I would buy it down to three and a half. If it gets to three, that's where you're getting closer on those margins. Maybe stay away there. But uh where it is right now, I, I would be on Miami in that game. And, and I they're for sure live in this game. All right, before we go to the next game, I want to tell you guys to download the free Betting Pros app for iOS and Android. Use the Sportsbook Sync to automatically track your bets across all major sportsbook in one spot. Easily track your bet performance by sport and bet type, including game picks, props, and parlays. Get personalized bet recommendations tailored to your interests, including the line alerts. When viewing a game of interest, simply set a game notification so that you are alerted once the line hits a certain number. At that point, you'll be notified so you can lock in your bet at that ideal line you can set the number to be uh the number and set the sports book head over to bettingpros.com apps to start setting your line alerts now or download the betting pros app in the itunes or google play stores today all right let's go over to texas tech hosting number 13 oregon uh oregon is a six and a half point road favorite 67 is the total here Farrell. Oregon had a weak opponent, but they looked awesome. Tech choked on the road in overtime against Wyoming. How do we not take Oregon and the over in this game? Um, I think the number is very high. I wouldn't touch the the number as far as over under. I, I just I was really puzzled. You know, the Texas Tech who won so many close games last year and learned how to win tight, tight games ended up losing that football game. Uh, that really stuns me. Um, you know, Oregon, you got no that elevation. Yeah, maybe that's the only it'll get you requirement. He's a good coach. Um, I, I think he's gonna adjust properly to that. Um, Oregon, we don't know what we're seeing. I mean, they they blew up Portland State, but yeah, they're a good football team, there's no doubt about it. But you can't really judge anything off of that game. Um, is this gonna be a revenge game for? For Tyler show it's going to be interesting to see how he plays against his old team I'm just I'm leaning Texas Tech uh to cover this I don't think they're going to win 
But I think, you know, Joey McGuire is a good coach. This is going to be in Lubbock. It's it's going to be 180 degrees. Um, not that that mattered last week when I, when I was worried about, was it North Texas and Cal? Cal just came in there and they must have brought a lot of air conditioning fans, pickle juice and all that. So I just beat the crap out of them. <laughs> but I, I just think this is kind of a trap game. I think a offense. lot of people are going to go on Oregon because they saw what they did against Portland State. Oh, Texas Tech lost to a team that's not even uh, you know, a group of five football team. I think this is a trap game. You know, and by that I mean a line trap game. Okay. I think Texas Tech covers the six and a half, sure. maybe loses it by a field goal or six points, but take the six and a half Texas Tech at home. Uh, Thor, you have a good feeling one way or the He's other. I, I'm, I'm kind of with. I, I'm kind of with Mike. I just don't like this game, to be honest with you. Yeah, as far as the side goes, I think I'm probably going to stay away. Uh, I'm going to reserve judgment on that. But like um, my system showing Oregon minus seven point four. But uh, Mike, I actually agree with like the the take of like this feels like a weird spot. Um, you know, Texas Tech they knew this game was coming. Um, you know, like it, it's weird to have a week one look ahead, but that's absolutely what the game against Wyoming was. And Wyoming, a team that has one of the best G fives defenses, and the Peasley kid, their quarterback, looks like he's a little bit better now. They just ended up dragging them them into deep waters, yeah. you know. And 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 Bogman, you mentioned that I lost you know, money the, on the this altitude game. And, yeah, yeah, d- different stuff like that. But I think a part of it was Texas Tech was had an eye on Oregon, and they might have even, by the way, used some of what their prep time for Wyoming should have been on the Oregon game. And now you have this reverse scenario where Tech, you know, they're already sort of looking their mortality in their eyes of the season. You start all zero and one. Now you have, I mean, if you lose to Oregon, now you're zero and two. Like you can't take on water like that. I, I think you're going to get a different effort out of them w- with the team now coming in that they have had their eye on. And now instead of having to play in friggin' Laramie, Wyoming, in, <laughs> in the altitude, and you know, a, 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 maybe in a, against an opponent they didn't take seriously enough, they will be taking Oregon seriously. And now it's Oregon that has to go into a really difficult place to play. Uh, in the middle of nowhere. So like I you know that stuff is 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 why I probably stay away from the side. I actually do like the over though. Um I know it's high at 66 and a half. My system's total on this game is actually 77 points. <laughs> I think we're getting a shootout. Yeah. There ain't nobody keeping Oregon off the scoreboard, but the the Texas Tech offense which was initially solid in that game against Wyoming against a, like I said a, a really good G5 defense that petered out there at the end. And that's how, you know, Wyoming is able to come back whatnot. The Texas Tech offense, they have a whole lot of pieces. And I love their offensive coordinator. They're deep at wide receiver. Shuck, uh, I come and go with him. But here's something to remember. You know where Tyler Shuck came from? The Oregon, the the school that moved on from him, benched him during the COVID season when he Shuck was supposed to be the heir apparent for Justin Herbert. This is a revenge game for one man. Uh, Tyler Shuck, and he's going to be taking aim at this Oregon defense that some people think maybe it's slightly better this year. I don't know about that. We're we're going to have to find out, but this is a tough assignment for the Oregon defense. I think this one is going to go shot for shot there until the end, um, you know, as far as like score, 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 score. Well, I, I'm just too close to the margins on the side, but I do like that over. 
All right, let's go to the game of the year here, fellas. Uh, number three, Alabama hosting number 11, Texas. The line here is Bama by a touchdown, 54 and a half is the total here. So Bama by seven, uh, Farrell, but the, the public is on, uh, the public money is on Texas and heavy on the under. I mean, right around well over 90% on the under in this game. You have a good feel either way? I like Texas in this. Um, you know, we didn't get to see much of, of what we need to see from Dale and Row. Um, you know, we didn't get to see a lot of what we need to see from Alabama. And not that we saw a lot, you know, of Texas against Rice, but they really held back a lot of stuff. I think they, you know, you did you saw maybe 20% of what you're going to see against Alabama. I, I think they feel a lot of confidence after playing in the game last year and, you know, hanging with them. I, I think this is a weak Nick Saban team versus his previous teams. And I don't think he has a guy to bail him out. Um, and by that, I mean he doesn't have Bryce Young. So the quarterback situation kind of worries me. This isn't a scary Alabama team. So if you're going to you're gonna give me seven points, um, you know, I'm going to take Texas. Even though Texas is never back, I know it's in Tuscaloosa. I just <laughs> I can't wrap my arms around – getting a touchdown lead in that game because I think Texas can hang. I think it's going to be a close game. They could win this game outright, so give me the seven and take that. Uh, so Farrell has a correct <laughs> take here, Thor. Uh, what, what do you feel about uh, Texas versus Alabama here? We're going to have a consensus yeah! on the board. This, it, I, I think this one's hook'em horn time. I, I said right. it over the summer. I thought Texas had a really good shot to pull the upset here. Nothing that's happened has changed my mind on that. The the market it's it's like you know they, they Texas was was playing patty cake with rice for a little bit and they you know the people in the market were like oh you know maybe Texas isn't back no Texas had their eye on this game it's all they cared about luckily for them uh, rice ain't as good as Wyoming so and and Texas certainly better than Texas Tech so there was no shot they were going to get picked off in that one whereas Alabama they always come out guns a blazing in week one Nick Saban's week one against the spread record is absolutely ludicrous so it wasn't a surprise that Alabama slapped around Middle Tennessee. But it's like, are you really going to change your preseason read on these teams because of those two games? I don't think so. Again, like, you know, this is the game that Texas was focusing on. Uh, Middle Tennessee, the, the team that Alabama slapped around 56 to 7, they have a really good front seven, at least for the G5. Their secondary is atrocious. I mean, like, that's coming into the season, we, we knew that. Milrow, you know, 13 for 18, 194, three touchdowns. But again, you have to keep in context the secondary he was going against. That, like, I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to light up Middle Tennessee this year, at least through the air. The run could be a little bit different for some of them G5 teams, but everyone's going to light up that secondary. I still have grave concerns about Jalen Milrow as a thrower. I, I, I'm on record with this one. My words could end up getting thrown in my face. <laughs> I don't think they will because uh, I just don't think he's a good thrower. Fabulous athlete. Absolutely fabulous athlete. But the throwing thing, it, I, I just don't think it's there yet. And in this game, it's going to be more tested in that regard because Texas for sure is going to put points on the board. And Alabama defense, I think, is is a bit down from last year. You lose Anderson, you lose Branch, Toto, uh, They're uh, Young, too, you know, Helms, on and on. A little bit. And, and banged yeah. up. Great point, Mike. Two two Alabama starting uh, guys in the secondary are questionable to go for this game. So Quinn Ewers teeing off on that. Bogman, as you know, Texas goes leads four deep and guys 
that would be starting for almost any other school in their receiving for court. Sure. I, I think this is one where Texas puts pressure on, on Alabama immediately by putting points on the board. Texas, a team that should have beaten Alabama last year, they were, they were on, you know, that was how it was. Uh, pacing. I remember. Yeah. Up until, and, and I hate to bring up a, a PTSD moment, Bob, okay. but up until Quinn Ewers got injured this time, Quinn Ewers healthy. This is the game they've been focusing on, on all year. Unless Jalen Milrow is a much better passer than I think he is. Alabama is going to be a one-handed team that might have to come from behind. That doesn't go with what they do. I like I like Texas in this one. Certainly, to, if you get seven and a half out there, absolutely fire on. You know, I would fire on that one. Even at seven, I'm I'm definitely good with Texas, and I think Texas is alive in this one. Want to give me real P- PTSD? Talk about when Colt McCoy got hurt against Alabama. So uh, let's go over to the next game. Another road favorite here: Washington State hosting number nineteen, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a six-point road favorite. Fifty-eight and a half is the total here. Mike, did we see enough from the Badgers' offense against Buffalo to lay the points as road favorites against Wazoo? Uh, I don't like to side here. I think this is going to be a Wisconsin victory, but it could be three, could be four points. You know, it's it's not an easy road game, even though I'm not bullish on Washington State. Um, but, you know, it's never easy, uh, you know, when you're on the road early in the season. I did see enough of the offense. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was good enough. Um, and I think Washington State can put up some points on Wisconsin as well. So I'm going to take the over on this one. I'm not touching the side. Uh, I think this could end up being a bit of a shootout, um, you know. So my gut feeling says don't touch it. You know, this is going to be a Wisconsin win. If you want to go money line and, and, and lay, you know, some negative odds on that, maybe. But don't give six points away on the road. Um, just hammer the over because I think you're going to see a lot of points. Thor, uh, you have a, a take on this one? I th- This one I'm way less confident on than everyone we talked about <laughs> so far. Uh, if, if I had to, I think I would lean towards Washington State in this game, my line being uh, Wisconsin minus 5.7. But you're, you're very close to what the Vegas line is. And my trepidation with this is, uh, you know, I, I was on Colorado State. I, I like Colorado State and that, that opener against Wazoo. It was a terrible call. I, I was both too high on Colorado State, but more topically to the, the discussion at hand. I was clearly too low on Wazoo. I just don't know by how much, though, because I don't know how, like, does Colorado State stink? Are, are they going to, you know, get lit up by other teams, whatnot? But Cam Ward, a guy who I was not impressed with last year, I wasn't terribly impressed with them at Incarnate Word either, to be honest, like outside of the volume. I, I that's why I wasn't high on Wazoo. They had lost a whole bunch on defense. They had lost two starting receivers. They they lost a, a starting a, one of their better ones, uh, Jarek Kingston, to USC. Now a starter over there. And so it was like my take on Wazoo uh, in the preseason was basically like Cam Ward's game needs to jump way up for that team to even stay as good as they were last year. Uh, Cam Ward could not miss against Colorado State. Like everything he was hitting, 37 for 49. 451 yards, 9.2 per attempt, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. If he keeps playing like that, they're going to be frisky against the better teams, especially in Pullman. And that's what concerns me even like, you know, about the side, the the idea of taking Wisconsin here is not only do I show just a little bit of value on Wazoo, I know the context that Wazoo is a top three against the spread home team over the last decade. It's really, really tough to play in Pullman. And now you have this Wisconsin team going there, New head coach, new staff. The offensive system is totally different from what it was last year. The early re- returns on that were solid in their opener, but they were playing a you know sort of a so-so G five team. That's it's basically what happened. Is what was supposed to happen. 
this is a different scenario. Now you, you, you're outside the friendly confines. Now you're going into, uh, by the data, one of the harder places to play in college football against a Wazoo team that might be better than certainly I thought and, and a lot of other people out there might be better. Uh, th- this is an opportunity for Wazoo to pick off a team that is in their second game under this new staff. I Right now, I, I don't know if I'll end up playing this or not, but if I do, I'll, I'll have a Washington State ticket. All right, let's go to another Pac-12 after dark game here. Number six, USC, a 30-and-a-half-point home favorite against Stanford. 68-and-a-half is the total. Normally, we're not going to go over games that have this big of a spread here, but the public, Farrell, is big on Stanford and the over. Uh, are you agreeing and following the public money, or is that uh, trappy? Uh, How do you feel both, about this game? You know, points are right. So here's the thing. I, I think USC no matter who they play, are going to give up two or three touchdowns. Uh, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And that means they have to score over 50 points, which they've done, uh, but they have to do that consistently to cover a line like this. Um, so, you know, chances are they're not going to do that every game. Uh, chances are they are going to give up two or three touchdowns every game. And, you know, Stanford isn't a horrible team. Um, you know, they're a Power 5 football team. They, they were awful last year. They beat Hawaii. That doesn't really impress me. And Hawaii's not a great football team. But, you know, they looked a little bit better than some people thought they would. Um, you know, to me, I, I like the over because I do think that, you know, you're going to have in the 40s for USC and potentially in the high teens to, you know, 20s for Stanford. Um, and, and so you've got a chance to get over that number. I like the side better, uh, but I do like both. I would take the over. But I would take the side if you're choosing between those. Just, you know, give me a 31-point lead against Alex Grinch, and I think I can hang on. Thor, uh, you were talking a little bit about this off-air. I feel like you like this game a lot. I do. Uh, I'm smashing that over. Uh, <laughs> Stanford, is speaking of Thor being wrong, uh, I thought, you know, Stanford was basically going to be like the last year Colorado of the power five this year. Um, I, I was telling you guys before the show, it, it, it only took halfway through the first quarter of me watching that Hawaii uh, Stanford game where I was like, Oh boy, was I wrong about this Stanford team? And it, because of Taylor, the coach that came in from Sacramento state, a guy who performed a miracle there, Sacramento state was in the gutter when he got there. It only took him a couple of years. And all of a sudden Sacramento state was, you know, I just had this dominant offense and really, really good team. Then he goes to Stanford, a team that David Shaw left gutted, frankly, uh, and and a program that can't take guys in the portal, but they can lose them, you know, more or less. And so the, the talent level coming into the season, the experience level was, was both quite bad. So you had to bank on Taylor being an awesome coach. And turns out uh, probably an awesome coach. Uh, the offense that they run is super fun. And that's the point that we're going to with the over Stanford not only runs at a very uh, high paced tempo. That's what Taylor did at Sacramento state uh, the entire time he was there. They're also super duper creative with where they get the ball, get the ball into space, using motion, confusing the defense, and then forcing them to tackle in space. You know what team's not good at tackling in space? The USC Trojans. Uh, Stanford's going to put up a little bit of points on them. Uh, And Ben Urasek, by the way, the tight end for Stanford is a stud. And Taylor obviously knows it because they were getting him the ball early and often against Hawaii, nine catches, 138 yards and a tutty, 15.3 per reception. USC defense, I I don't believe. I'm I'm sorry. I I, I don't. And so I, I think Stanford has a real good shot at getting over 20 points in this game. Stanford's defense, I mean, they gave up 24 uh, to Hawaii. They gave up 355 uh, passing yards to Brendan Shager, Braden Shager with three touchdowns. Um 
the uh, quarterback they're playing this week is quite a bit better than Schrager, and he has quite a bit more weapons. USC definitely going to put up points on them. But like I said, I think Stanford will be able to return at least enough fire to get over this number. For me, this is a smash over. All right, let's go to the last game of the week for us. Cal hosting Auburn. Auburn is a six-and-a-half-point road favorite. 55 is total here. Farrell, the Cal offense looked great. Uh, they look great against North Texas, but can they have that kind of success against a stronger SEC defense? It is in California. It's a long way to travel for Auburn. It's a late game, too, uh, for Auburn. Um, but I don't know. It's hard for me to trust Cal, uh, even after ripping apart North Texas. It How do you feel in this tough. game? Um, you know, but you really don't know what Auburn's about. You know, they do have a pretty good defense, um, or at least on paper. You know, I, I would lean towards the under here. Um, I think, you know, Cal's going to run the football. Uh, that's what they do best. They're going to try to play possession football. I don't think they're going to sling it around. I think they're going to try to, you know, wear down the Auburn defense a little bit. Um, you know, they've got a tremendous running back and not. Um, you know, they don't want to have to throw the ball. They don't want to come from behind if they can avoid it. Auburn's going to run the football too. Um, I, I think this is going to be a low-scoring football game. I, I don't know if Auburn's going to win this by, you know, seven points. Uh, I don't know if Auburn's going to win this game at all. Not that I'm bullish on Cal. I, I think it was impressive what they did, you know, going into Texas and putting up that many points. But they're not a juggernaut offensively, um, and that's not going to happen here against a much better Auburn defense. I'm leaning under. Um, I think it's going to be sort of a, a smash mouth run the football. And, and I think both defenses, um, you know, should be able to hold, you know, maybe you see, I don't know, you know, 28, 21, uh, you know, I think that's what you're looking at here. Yeah. Thor, do you have a, a different opinion in this game? I mean, Cal looked good on offense. I think Jaden Knott's one of the best running backs in the country. Had a big fumble, though. Uh, and they were playing UNT, not a great team. So how do you how do you see them matching up against the SEC de defense coming into town? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Bogman. I think Odd is one of the better running backs in America that people haven't really heard of. I, I do think that's going to change. I, I'm curious, and, and Mike is our uh, resident recruiting expert, uh, America's country uh, resident uh, recruiting expert. Mike, I'm curious, why did Ott go under the radar in recruiting? He, he came from Chino. Like, why why weren't why didn't he have a higher star grade? Why weren't more people after him? Because so, that kid could play right away. Northern California just kids curious. often get underrated. Um, it's just the way it is. He was a four-star, uh, which is pretty good, and he was, he was a 250 guy. Hello, for, Hello I mean, four star though. He, he got was into he? the two fifty, which is you know it's a it's it's a mid level four star. Um, it's one of those things where there's such a devalue of Northern California kids versus Southern California kids. Um, you know they're they don't play the same competition. They don't go to as many seven on seven camps. They don't you know show out as many times in spring football. Um, it's one of those things where they just aren't at camps and seven on sevens for true off season evaluation and, you know, in season evaluation, they play maybe a couple of good teams. Whereas Southern California kids are at everything all the time, constant evaluation, kind of overhyped a little bit uh, and play much better competition usually. So that's what it is. I mean, Najee Harris is the exception, of course, but, you know, a kid like Ott uh, was a mid level four star, very, very good football player. Um, you know, it just wasn't national recruit and wasn't nationally ranked simply because of that Northern California bias. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy because that kid was a difference maker from from day one there. Uh, in his career, Jade not, uh, not in a great offensive environment, of course, 5.7 yards per carry. Uh, like, to this point, he's one game into his sophomore season. Uh, like, just very impressed with that kid. Uh, you mentioned that they can run the ball. What's interesting is uh, <laughs> they were going to go with Sam Jackson snakes on a plane, as I call him, <laughs> a quarterback, that the TCU transfer. And he didn't look great at the beginning of that uh, North Texas game. Then he gets dinged up. Ben Finley comes in, another transfer. And he looked real good. Uh, 24, for, uh, 24 for 34, 279 yards, a touchdown. He did throw an interception. But they were viable through the air as well. If Cal can throw the – we know they're going to be able to run the ball. If they can throw the ball, all of a sudden you got a good offense there. And who's their head coach? Justin Wilcox, who was one of the country's best defensive coordinators for the five, six, seven years before he became a head coach, they might have some on their hands. I was very impressed with them going into Denton in the heat and everything like that. You know, North Texas, another one of my bad calls last week. But uh, Cal just slapped him around. I was pretty stunned, especially having to go to your, your backup quarterback initially. I think this is a shot for Cal to ambush a team who's in a bad spot here. Uh, this game does not kick off until... Bogman, do you have the time it kicks off? Uh, 9.30, I think 9.30 yeah, Eastern, um, so that's 6.30. Eastern. Yeah, it's going to be a late one 9 for 30 Auburn. 9.30 Eastern. And, and for Auburn, yeah, and Auburn, I believe, is in the central time zone, right? But it's still 8, 8.30 uh, body still clock late. time. Yeah. It, it's still late, and, and you have to go out there to the West Coast. And Cal, I mean, like, Auburn, they, they play all the good teams every year in the SEC. It's not like they're like, oh, Cal, you know, like Cal beat North Texas, like, you know, whatever. And you're in the second game of the Hugh Freeze era, right? Like, I mean, you know, Auburn acquitted itself against UMass in the first game. This is a different sort of a deal. Um, I think Wilcox will have a defensive game plan here. I know that Jaden Knott's going to be able to run on him. It's going to come down to what can Cal get from their passing game. But I, you know, again, the second game for the Auburn offense with the, with the vast system change, now you have to go across the country. You have this super duper late kick locally. I just think this is a tough invite, you know, going to be a tough game for them, sort of a sneaky spot. I think Cal ambushes Auburn here. I'm going to call for the all right win. Man, uh, that would be an impressive win uh, for Cal to take down Auburn. But Auburn is not the Auburn that we grew up with, for sure. So uh, should be a fun week, too. Thank you guys for giving us a preview here. Remember, you can follow us all on the Twitter, at Bogman Sports for myself, at ThorKU for Thor, and at Sports for Mike. Two R's, two L's. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.